Welcome to the Phoenix Magazine podcast. First one of 2024 that we're doing. So happy new year to you. Um, I apologize if I have said happy new year to you. I'm going to say it again. Today on the podcast, we're joined by the Phoenix Magazine team of Craig Gautier, our editor, uh, our associate editor, Madison Rutherford, and both of our art directors. We have uh, our director, uh, Morel Inglefield, and managing art director, Angelina Aragon, here to talk about the brand new issue. January, February, it's called Dine Around the World Without Leaving the Valley. That's the uh, main cover, that's the cover, and the main feature, 48 pages of dining around the world without leaving the valley. Uh, our local restaurant picks for 99 different nations. We talk a lot about that. Uh, a lot of the other features. Really fun episode. Uh, we get into um, some fun local events coming up in 2024. What to expect around the Phoenix uh, area in terms of dining and events. And uh, what, what's bringing us up? What's bringing us down? Mood stabilizer, stabilizer segment in the new year. Uh, we have a lot of fun with that, so sit back, enjoy, and here we are with Craig, Maddie, Angelina, and Morel. All right, guys. So the fir- for the first time, we have uh, five microphones in use, and uh, Angelina has the privilege of having the stick mic to hold in her hand. Um, it's the Phoenix team here, minus Leah. She's, she's got an appointment, but we're we're here with. Um, uh, Angie uh, and uh, Morel, Craig, and Maddie here, the Phoenix team that put together this wonderful new issue, the January-February issue, Dine Around the World Without Leaving the Valley. Let me start first with uh, Morel on the cover. Morel, fantastic cover. I know you gave me so many options <laughs> to post on social media. Um, people love the the Greek town option. Why do we decide to go with uh, the, the blue and Hana on the cover? Um, well, I think it was the favorite among, um, like our business team, right? And Molly, um, I liked it. I liked all of them, but, um, I think for this, it just has the technical base for like clean reading. It's a beautiful composition. The I the colors are really nice, I think. And it's just an elegant shot with some really nice colors, Sure, you know? And it's Hana. I had to down kind of wanted Hana on the cover. Yeah, you, you took the, you're the <laughs> cover photog this month. Congrats. Thank you. I know we, uh, there's, there's always a lot of pride that goes into that, right? Who, who gets, who lands the cover? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's always exciting. I'll never get tired of having an image of my own on the cover, but Grace Kostowski and Debbie Volvos and Rob Ballard and Kyle Ledebauer, they all contributed and Brian Goddard, right? My predecessor and, even Angelina here did some nice work. So it's it's fun, yeah. There There's were a lot a, of good options. So the cover, obviously, Dine Around the World Without Leaving the Valley. Let's get into it because Craig wrote it's the largest feature, largest reporting endeavor this magazine has ever gone into. Uh, tell me kind of where that started because was it always that kind of vision to just go big and bold on this kind of a feature? Or did you want to start smaller? And how, how, did, how did it get to be where it's nearly 50 pages in the magazine. Yeah, it's 48 pages. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, January is always a big day. And, uh, you know, you cycle through the best ideas pretty quickly. So, you know, <laughs> we uh, we did eat around the United States last January. We found a state food for all 50 states and a place in the valley where you could, a restaurant where you can get that, that state food. You know, for instance, uh, the easy one, low-hanging fruit would be Lobster roll, 
Maine or Massachusetts? Probably Maine. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, right. One of those two. Sure. So yeah, that's an easy one. We, you know, some, sometimes it was more difficult. California has a bunch of great food, like the Chinese chicken salad and a found a plate. So anyway, we did that, and then we thought, well, why not do a global version? Of it? And it was the same premise: uh, find interesting international cuisine. Uh, where can you find them in the valley? And you know, that, they didn't have to be a forty-eight page feature, but kind of early in the conceptual process, we were like, well, let's go and find every country and in, you know, for some countries, that's not especially meaningful. You know, there are plenty of French restaurants, plenty of Italian restaurants. Lord knows plenty of great Mexican restaurants. We've done covers on each of those before, you know, but like, the more interesting part of it was, are there any good Latvian restaurants or Liberian restaurants or, you know, Laotian restaurants in the Valley? And, yeah, find those on a map and right. then see if we can find them here in the valley, see right? See if we can find them in the valley. What's a, what's a food that you would find in Laos? And um, and then it just became a huge, it just kind of evolved and exploded in our faces. Like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of countries. <laughs> there are over 200 countries in the world. And we ended up finding cuisines for 99 of them. And for the countries that, that we've already explored, China, for instance, You've got more region. Uh, you know, everybody knows where to find a good Kung Pao. That's not uh, but what about lesser known regional cuisines in China? In the north uh east, for instance, Dongbang region. So Yeah, a lot like Mexico has different food Mexico regions. Has different yeah, regions. Sure. For instance, Oaxacan food. Not necessarily what people know. They usually know Sonoran restaurants. They know places, you know, with tacos or kind of these kind of more general Mexican restaurants, but what about places that really focus on a regional style? Food from Chiapas, near the border in the south. So we that's that was kind of our mandate, and it it was a huge undertaking. Uh, we split it between four writers, and uh, it you know it, we bit off more than we could chew. I, think <laughs> I like it. Yeah, uh, any like, le- any leftovers from any of that? Lots of leftovers, man. I had some. Easty leftovers. Oh, like yeah. Morel brought that in some. Amazing. What was it? It was like a conch, conch curry. It was a conch curry from a, a Caribbean restaurant. Yeah, I think the it Caribbean was palm. like Bahamas, maybe yeah. the Bahamas mm-hmm. dish, and it was great. And I had it for a couple of days in the fridge upstairs while I was doing, you know, editing the rest of it. And uh, it was just great. You know, it was a really uh, uh, consciousness raising experience. Obviously, learned a lot. Leah, uh, the managing editor, her territory, if you will, was Eastern Europe. And she found out there were like five or six different names for the cabbage roll. You know, five or six different countries embrace that as one of their national dishes. And she found how that changes, the nuances change between countries, the name changes, that kind of thing. Um, There were all kinds of interesting reveals that we stumbled into while researching and reporting this. And it was a lot of fun. Um, So you, you Stopped on 99. Was there uh, an opportunity to continue going to that, or did you just kind of run out of options? Were there, or and also were there any like countries that maybe you sought out that we just don't have here in the valley? Oh, yeah. Maybe you're disappointed that we couldn't find. Absolutely, that was that, that was part of it too. You know, 30 years ago, there were a lot of things the valley was missing in terms of its dining culture. Now, less so. There are, you know, it's filled in a lot. But there were a few that we couldn't find, and we make a note of that in sure. the feature. Like Indonesian, it's, it's a pretty prominent cuisine internationally. I, you know, I, my 
on a personal level, I, my grandparents lived there when I was a kid. I visited a couple summers. It was the first real spicy food I ever had. But there is no Indonesian restaurant in the valley. There was actually 30 years ago when I moved here. There was this great little place in Chandler. Uh, but now there isn't really. Um, so we would, when we ran into that little block wall of, you know, dining availability, we'd make a note of it and have kind of fun with it. And just do, uh, you know, there isn't necessarily a, there isn't an Indonesian restaurant. There isn't a, um, uh, you know, Eritrean restaurant, that kind of thing. So we, you know, we didn't, there were some, there were some countries are so remote and obscure that we didn't necessarily make a note of it in the, feature but when we found something that we were surprised for instance that there wasn't a, a cuisine available finland uh we would uh we'd make a note of it and um you know let the reader know so the podcast is big in finland so if you're watching um or listening <laughs> Sorry, friends there's a market open for you um the in you have a lot of interviews uh check out all the interviews with the chefs that are in there because uh they, they all have great stories when you talk to them were there did you find that um, in talking to them that they're from originally from those countries or that maybe they grew up here with family and they learned that cuisine? Um, what's kind of the what, what, what would you say the story is there? Usually we'd find natives like Maddie interviewed Maddie, our uh, associate editor, uh, interviewed a guy from Jordan and he owns a Middle Eastern restaurant. That was our Jordanian pick. And I think that interview in particular was really enlightening because we talked a lot about the tradition of Jordan meals and cooking and eating. And, you know, obviously I learned a lot about the cuisine that I didn't know before, but I also learned about the country and him and his pride for his um, country and his food and his family. So um, those kind of little personal tidbits are one of my personal favorites um, in the whole yeah. So they learn over there and they build up enough to come over here and then bring their, yeah. their talents here. I mean, I it, like it's, it's sort of an immigrant story. This, yeah. This feature in general. Um, it's not someone that so suddenly learned right. cooking school in Scottsdale that, oh, I can learn Jordan cuisine and right. bang no, it out. You know, that wasn't the fun part. We didn't yeah. want to find a kid who grew up in Gilbert and then found a discovered a love for Jordanian food. And <laughs> Yeah, you know, that would, you know, hey, he grew up in San Dimas and now sure, he does, sure. you know, Mexican food. No, we, uh, you know, mostly it was the chefs we found were, um, you know, exercising their native art, culinary art. There were a couple interesting twists on that. For instance, um, there really isn't a Hungarian restaurant in the valley, but there is this great Hungarian slash German restaurant called Edelweiss. And the couple that owns it were both born in Hungary. And they do amazing Hungarian cuisine there and great German food. But one of them, he, he actually moved from Hungary, grew up in Germany. So, you know, their whole story was just a complete mishmash of those two yeah. cultures. And that was kind of neat. Um, yeah, generally, these are, you know, there was a language difficulty a lot. Oh, sure. Some of these chefs, you know. Um, so that was kind of a fun challenge as well. And it, it, it did, um, like, for instance, Nikki Buchanan, our dining critic, uh, did a good a big portion of this feature and she uh she had china was one of her territories and she interviewed two owners slash chefs from uh uh choose in the east valley which is they do a northwestern chinese cuisine northern chinese cuisine and that was you know it was a, a bit tricky at times but that was part of the you know the challenge and the fun of this was to um, you know fight through those communication barriers and, uh, 
folks justice. Yeah, I'd imagine. Uh, go around the room. Start with uh, Angelina. Top recommendation from what you either wrote about or uh, took pictures of from this from this uh, feature, Dine Around the World. I would have to say Que Zazon in downtown Phoenix. And they do what? Is that Colombian? Is that? Yes. Okay. They have delicious empanadas and ceviche and um, plantains. Just everything was so good and fresh. And the owners are really nice, too. They are I like it. People. The ceviche there is, I mean, we all have an idea of what ceviche is from our trips to Rocky Point and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Oh, yeah. For sure. Amazing. Morel? All right. This is tough. I mean, I want to say Hana, but everybody knows how great Hana is. So I'm going to say Cubanitas because they've pretty new. They've transitioned from a food truck like Kazan, like Casey's on here, I think, um, into a bricks and mortar. And they're in Glendale, is that right? They are either in Glendale or North Phoenix, but they're off of Peoria and I want to say like 43rd Avenue. West Valley, yeah. West Valley, Valley. definitely West Valley. They're close to my neighborhood, which I appreciate. But um, the owners, um, Angel and Lenny or Linus, uh, who is Cuban. Um, she's the chef. They are just the most um, adorable couple. <laughs> and the food is amazing. They have the traditional staples like the Cuban sandwich and the uh, ropa vieja. Um, they have a milkshake. I, it's got its own name and I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they have coffee with every meal, which I found interesting. And they have a pizza oven. So they make Cuban style pizza as well. So I'm going to go back soon and kind of investigate that little detail and learn more about it. I'm glad that restaurant's in town too. There was a great Cuban place for a long time on the Camelback. What was it called? I had my first rope over there, but it closed like a decade. And I don't know if, you know, there was other, there were other restaurants that were doing kind of Cuban cuisine here and there, but no, I don't think any other dedicated but they're here. You know, it's just like that's that was the joy of doing this, finding restaurants. I guess for me, there are two I'm going to pick. Uh, we found out there were a couple of Yemeni restaurants in Tennessee. You know, not just one, two. And they both have similar names. They like each other? Do we know? I, I think there might be rivalry there. <laughs> okay. They're both called, one was called Y.S. Mondi. Near, that's near the campus. The other one's called Mondi House. Mondi is a uh, chicken dish that's very similar to tandoori chicken, the Indian dish that people sure. are familiar with. Named after the oven they cook tandoori. They, they cook theirs in a oven that's almost identical to a tandoori. There's Yemen hanging out there right over the Indian Ocean. has a lot of Indian cuisine. So that for me was like, wow, I didn't even know any of this. And who knew there were two restaurants from Yemen in Tempe? Apparently, they were both owned by the same guy at one point. He flipped one. Now, that one is run. That one's YS Mandy, close to campus. It's run by uh, an Ethiopian lady. So, you know, it's just all just a big mix. And it no was kidding. fantastic. The chicken was delicious. It was. It, it, was, it was. It was like crispy on the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, delicious. They also had this one stew there at Mandy House. And both of these places are not impressive on the outside. They look a little, you know shop worn on the outside one of them i think is in an old long john silver that's mondi house and it's on uh, apache and you know driving by it you would not think there's this beautiful little restaurant inside where you can sit on the on kitchen floor have this amazing stew called a fossa it's the lamb stew with tons of turmeric you just smell it 
mm. you know, coming from a mile away, there's all these beautiful fragrant spices. Bubbling hot, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, I uh, there's a place uh, north central Phoenix called Taste of Honduras. It was the one, you know, it was one of the handful of Honduran places I found. Uh, they had this great soup called Sopa de Caracol. Uh, again, it was like conch, which is sea snail, but it tastes more like uh, conch. And uh, it was a coconut soup with uh, citrus aromatics. It reminded me a lot of the Tom Ka Gai, the um, Thai soup that you see a lot. And that to me was like crazy because, it, you know, they don't have anything culturally in common, very little of any. Thailand and Honduras, but they both kind of occupy the same, you know, latitude. So they both have access to coconuts and <laughs> other, you know, citrus, that kind of thing. So they have this very similar soup. I thought that was fantastic. Two countries kind of joined by the fruits of their environment. Yeah. I'm and, glad you mentioned the, uh, the the sitting on the floor on the cushions because it's not just food that they're bringing over. It's also kind of the dining experience in a lot of these yeah. places, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. The customs. Of sure. Sure. Maddie? Um. Well, I was just going to say, um, kind of piggybacking off of Greg, and he mentioned EdNote, um, that food is this universal language. The overarching theme of this entire feature is um, food is what brings us together. And um, so I am going to shout out Sata Morgana. Yay, I'm so um, glad. Just because when Morel and I went to go shoot there, um, we just felt right at home. Like they welcomed us in, like we were part of their family. And with each dish that they brought out, um, the manager, Eli, kind of explained a little bit about the ingredients in each dish and a little bit about, you know, what, how he would eat it growing up. Um, that was for Israel. And, um, there, so we did four dishes, um, for that one. One of them was falafel, which I was like a little bit iffy about because as a vegetarian, that's kind of my like main um jam. I mean, I don't I'm not a falafel gal. Like I've always been kind of weary of it because it's either like too dry or you know, it's like it has to be that perfect mix of like moist and crispy and seasoned right. I don't know. There's a lot of factors. She's a falafel snob. You can admit <laughs> no, it, right? I'm not at all. I just like I don't know. Typically it's not like what I go for on a menu. But sure, sure. um I might say that Fata Morgana has one of the best falafels mm -hmm. in the valley. I second that. Might be a hot take, but it's delicious and it completely reversed my, I don't know, falafel. We should do a falafel <laughs> showdown between that place and the one that comes to our very, from our food events. Casa um, de, de, de Falafel. falafel which yeah. has, oh, a, yeah. according to like Yelp, I think they, you know, did a Yelp ranking. It was one of the top 10 falafels. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I've heard very good things let's, about that. Falafel. Let's do a falafel, you know, taste test for the yes. next best of the valley. Issue. I am <laughs> down. The falafel so feud. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I was trying to think of an alliteration. Falafel Get uh, Steve Harvey to come host, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes, let's do it. Um, everything there was fresh, um, like a lot of the seasonings and herbs that they use. Presentation, beautiful. 10 out of 10. Um, we were there Where for like two hours. It's in North Scottsdale, um, in a little strip mall storefront. Again, one of those places where outside you wouldn't really, it's unassuming is the mm -hmm. word I will use. And then when you go in, I don't know. And it's, you know, it's pretty, um, like, I wouldn't say it's cozy. Like they don't have a lot of like banquets and like lounges and stuff. Like it's pretty fair as far as like 
decor, but it's really warm as far as just like the energy in there, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Is that near um, the 101 or? It's by uh, Scottsdale and just north of Shea. Okay. Sort of mid north. On the west side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we, we list all of those in the in the in issue, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we list all those in the issue where to find them and um, if they have websites. It's, it's always so, kind of funny to me when web restaurants don't have websites, but yeah, in this I get age. it. When you're when you're small and you know maybe you're you're um, just getting into it or you've been doing it a while, it's we have a whole you don't rely on web, right? <laughs> we have a whole game plan built around when restaurants don't have websites. Right. Then we go to their Facebook page. And if it's one of those Facebook addresses where it's just, you know, Facebook slash Fata Morgana, then we're like, oh, good. We can just kind of copy and paste that. Yeah, there's not a lot of numbers uh, attached. But if we're not getting any love there, then we just relent and we just put the, you know, the address and phone number in (laughs) and hope for the best. Sure, (laughs) sure. All right, so no, no more turning to the Google for uh, where to where to find. Uh, just just go to the issue. Uh, go to Dine Around the World. Uh, Ninety nine different countries. That's right. Well done, guys. Let's uh, let's stick with Maddie and change gears to the, her winter getaways in the Southwest feature. Um, you open it up and you see Death Valley right away. Is it is it the best time to visit Death Valley right now? Well, so the thing with that feature is that obviously the idea was that we wanted to focus on winter travel. Um, but we wanted to think a little bit outside the box, right? And so we had a few um, leftover or, I don't know, places that we had gone that we needed to write about. Um, so Jessica Dunham um, wrote death, about Death Valley. I wrote about Zion National Park, which um, I didn't go in the winter time, but um, I, you know. You went on the under canvas, yes. which is like a kind of a glamping. Uh, yes. Um, yes. So, um, and that was like one of the coolest trips I've ever been on. Oh yeah. Because, um, I don't know. So there's two types of like media trips that we go on when we're hosted by, um, a travel bureau or we like go on our own or we go with other journalists and it's kind of like a set media trip and we have an itinerary. So that was with other journalists around the country. And I don't know. We just all got along super well, which is always good. You never know like how you're going to get along strangers that are also like writing about it for their publication and it's not too um, cold in bryce canyon or no it um it was we biked through zion we have we rented e-bikes and um that was a really cool way to see it you've never been to zion um there's a, a bus that goes through really really large national park so you can't really walk through it um but biking is kind of a cool alternative you get some fresh air high um, desert right it's not super hot it's in the yeah it's Really, really nice weather, really all year round. And it is kind of one of those year round. I bet it's um, nippy right now. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's like a little it snows it's in snow there. on sure. the ground. So the about these tents, though, from under canvas, I stayed in one up near Page. I mean, they're, they are tents, but they're large tents. They're very uh, durable. And they have these uh, wood burning stoves inside of them. Yeah. So you can really heat the place up. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they're open during the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's super cozy. Yeah, and some of them are getting to be the point where they're almost like hotel rooms that are just they under. Really yeah, yeah, definitely luxury camping. Yeah. And nice, nice linens, comfortable bed. You know. Oh yeah, and um, that like was kind plumbing of plumbing and for bathroom and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. full on working bathrooms, which was yeah, super nice. The creature comforts. I wrote about that in the um feature as well. Kind of like that, that happy medium between rustic and luxurious. 
Um, and I love the outdoors. I love hiking. I love um, just kind of being in nature. So it was a really cool kind of experience. It's good to know that there's more than just because my my mountain biking friends always talk about Zion, and that's all I've known it for. So good to know that there's more to that area that uh, for for non mountain bikers like myself. Uh, we also write about the the three Arizona ski resorts, the Mount Lemon, Sun Bowl, and, or Snowbowl, and Sunrise. Any kind of preferences that you guys have, one or the other? Is there is there one more picturesque, in your opinion, morale? Do you think? I want to go back to Sunrise so bad. Yeah, right now. that's my that's always my oh, pick. I love that place. It's not as busy as Snowbowl, and I right. love Snowbowl too. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about this nature and just the way. I think the cabins are more affordable in that area too. Like the whole thing, I just hospitality is kind of a, a tricky thing up there because there isn't a. I don't think there is a, uh, you know, like a hotel service at the resort. So the tricky there is to find, you know, a nice place nearby. We found an interesting option. Um, one of the restaurants, and we mentioned them earlier, Edelweiss, which is that German-Hungarian hybrid restaurant in Phoenix. The family, the couple, actually owns. A guest ranch in Greer, which what? is not too far. Yeah, we put that as a sidebar in Maddie's story. Sure. Cool. Uh, but so you can actually go there and have the same food. They have the same menu there. You can have this really awesome German and Hungarian food. It's great when you're in the and then stay there and they have this, you know, like nine units or something. Uh, anyway, that's that'd be a great. Yeah. I, I want to do that with I. You know, we go back to summer. <laughs> I like it. it out. <laughs> you know, plenty of good features in the magazine. One that kind of stood out to me, and uh, Maddie kind of hinted at it, uh, was the the how you guys go on press trips. And Leah decided that she wanted to experience Phoenix from a press trip perspective. Now, give give us a little bit in, of insight about what press trips are like when you go away, and uh, because Leah's been on them too, and she's not here, but to talk about it, but she decided. She wanted to experience her own city that she's grown up and lived in her whole life from how Phoenix treats like media from elsewhere, other countries and things like that. So she met some Canadians yeah. on this one. Yeah. yeah. So what's that like? What's that? I mean, I've been on a press trip to Flagstaff and they, they wine and dine you and everything. Sure, they, yeah. they put you up and they, uh, I just went on the beer trail one. Um, right. So it's pretty, um, I guess, uh, locked down of what you're, what you're focused, seeing yeah, right. you know um what what have you guys experienced in um in your press trips that maybe stand out that maybe you'd want phoenix to kind of emulate or or duplicate or copy well i mean usually they you know they try to hit the the greatest hit you know sure so, sure you know if you uh, that's generally i think the playbook yeah uh, and that's the playbook i think leah found but um yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's a, uh, for her, it was seeing the uh, valley through the eyes of people who aren't familiar with it. And, um, you know, that's, we thought that was a great fit for a winter issue because that's the, this is the season where people generally don't want to leave the valley because how nice it is. I mean, when we travel, we're traveling in the summer. I mean, you know, for obvious reasons. We want to for sure. Dodge when it's 100. But, um, yeah, she found, you know, she wanted to see what they see. And uh, do you remember any of the details from her? Yeah, so what I was going to say is a lot of, not all, but a lot of press trips tend to have a theme. Um, so, like, you were mentioning, kind of the 
texture change. I stopped it. I went on one a couple years ago, and it's much more kind of fleshed out now. Um, but for um, Phoenix, so Leah went to both Phoenix and Scottsdale. She worked with their um, travel uh, bureaus, and um, I believe the Phoenix one was um, art yeah. and walkability in downtown Phoenix. Um, which if you've been downtown lately, it's pretty apparent. Um, you can walk around and look at public art. And she went to a couple of the museums. Um, and I think what was cool is that they highlighted a couple of our famous restaurants, Pizzeria Bianco being one of them, which she admitted to us and our readers that she had never been, she had never dined in um, at that location, which is understandable. It's very intimate, always crowded. Still good. Long wait. Um, yeah, <laughs> Unless but, you get there um, early. That was kind of a really cool, you know, kind of experiencing things that you might not get to do or yeah. want to do, as you mentioned. Long waits and just no time, stuff like that. Um, and just, yeah, kind of seeing You went to Barrio, city. too. Mm-hmm. Barrio Cafe. Yeah. You know, these are the places I recommend. Right, so right. Right. Yeah. Is there a Japanese friendship garden in the Phoenix Art Museum? These are good. I think that Japanese garden is probably my my spot that I would say I I need to go to that I haven't ever been that I've been kind of kicking myself. I need to go there. Is there a spot like that around Arizona or around the valley that you guys have that like and I've lived here so long I just have never done it? Oh yeah, that's out the first time last week. Yeah. That's out in uh, Superior, right? Yes. Yep. yes. Right. So it's not in the valley. It's close. It's sort of quasi valley. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. On the way to Globe, Miami. It's on the, it, right. That is a cool town. Superior is awesome. What's that? Um, that odd building on the hill in Tempe as you pass the airport. It's oh. called is it Tovria Castle? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the castle. Yeah. I've never been to Tovria Castle. I've and never it, been for someone who's been here twenty, I've been twenty-five years. Same. Same. Yeah. yeah. Field trip. <laughs> That's my. How uh, about you, Angie? You got any uh, bucket list items in Arizona you just haven't got around to? Mine would have to be Mount Lemmon. It's not that far of a drive, and I see all these beautiful pictures, but I've never made that drive yet, and so I should probably do that soon, maybe on a weekend. I think it's great in the summertime because they have great mm-hmm. cabins. They mm-hmm. have um, you can take like the uh, gondola up there and do that whole thing, and it's kind of that it almost like that picturesque kind of Colorado mountain town kind of feel to it yeah. with fun um, lodges and restaurants and people just walking down the street and shopping and eating and all that. Yeah. Exactly. You've been to Cassanti. That's another place Leah visited on her trip. The uh, art commune that Palisoleri founded and they do the Cassanti bells. Yep. That's a, I think, one that everyone should check out. Up there, uh, on your way up to Prescott, you mean? No, that's Arcasson. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's her. That's just Casanti here in Paradise Valley. There is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, his yeah. old, um, you know, his. Um, he lived there. He had like his, his proteges would live there. It was very groovy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do style. Super, I'm not going to con- comment on what else went on there, <laughs> but they, they created do, a lot of bells. Yeah. Since they do a lot of past uh, <laughs> a lot of you know <laughs> concrete. They do a lot of work on our home and garden tours. Mm-hmm. And That's true. Yeah. So I've passed by there plenty of times because of that, and it's it always impresses me when you go by there that um, that's just sticking right there, yeah. right there in Paradise Valley as you're touring these homes and gardens. So. Yeah, it definitely makes PV more interesting. Have it there, no question. A little less up. 
So, yeah. Yeah, that she, was her first time going there, too. I remember she mentioned that to me. And she did say that she wanted to go to more museums because she really liked that experience. She was just like, I need to get out there more. And I was like, you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. another thing, she, another place she went that she had never been before was Wonder Spaces, which oh, she yes. mentioned in the article as well that she kind of had this of it. Like, it mm-hmm. was just kind of this, like, surface level photo shoot influencer type place um and it was a lot deeper than that oh a yeah lot of for really sure cool art like obviously when you go to a museum and you see beautiful things you want to take pictures um and i think like on social media it is kind of you know you just see the pictures of people posing in front of these things but um she really liked it and i trust her judgment as far as like mm-hmm. arts and culture and food like she's a very refined palette when she was here but she'll listen to this later and um hopefully we're doing her article justice um yeah we we all encourage leah to get out and do some more arizona stuff leah right so we can live vicariously <laughs> through know, her right? <laughs> and report back um good segue into uh you know all the all the other great regular features that that we write about uh our people profiles um, spotlights on local shopping businesses and our calendar of events. And I bring that up. I wanted to get your guys' um, number one or uh, what you're most excited for a local event coming up in 2024. Go ahead and start start us off there, Angelina. I'll go ahead and start this one since I do the calendar every month. Um, every year this event happens and I always seem to miss it. Like once we're done with the magazine, I kind of just forget about everything that we just put into it and all the events that go with it but it's the arizona arizona balloon classic it's um coming january 26th through the 28th that's where they release all these hot air balloons and it just seems so cool and i can actually take some pictures for next year is that City the Guide. one they have out in the west valley um i believe so yeah i think they do it out of goodyear ballpark maybe if i remember right i think so i I just always look at all the pictures yeah, and stuff, yeah. and I see some of them and I'm just like, Oh, I could probably take Goodyear. Goodyear. Good year, go. Oh, right. Yep. Goodyear ballpark. That's perfect because I'm Looking in Avondale. So in the magazine details. Fifteen minutes. There. Yes. Definitely want to go there. Those are always cool events, man. My grandma used to love doing that in the um where they had the Albuquerque one. That's like uh-huh. the biggest one in the world. Um so Super yeah, cool. Super cool. Yeah. You I'm, ever go up in one of those? I have. I have. It was it was such a fun experience. Um, something I highly recommend. It was on my bucket list, and I did it, and it was great. But now I would just want to go see more of them. Right on. So. Right on. Morel. Like fun. Uh, the car shows coming up. Hands yeah. Down. I'm so excited about Barrett Jackson in a couple weeks, and then the Meekum. Who I've never been to the Meekum one. That's in Glendale in March. So I'm not quite sure what to expect there. Cool cars is enough for me. Yeah, that one's always happy, at so. State Farm Stadium. Uh, it's a Way different crowd, I would imagine. Really? Have you been to it? No. No. Yeah, I'll let Jamaican? you know. Mm-hmm. Meekum, yeah. yeah. I, I went. I mean, it is different than, a uh, little less uh, sprawling than. Are there full cars? Yeah. Are there full cars? That's the criteria. Fairly right cool. There. Fairly cool. And obscure, rare cars. <laughs> weird cars. Like cars that they made cars. one of, maybe. And uh-huh. they, I love those things. So, right. Yeah. The, the good Yugo, weather. it was a Yugo supercar from the. Oh, I'm really? Kidding. No, I'm totally kidding. There's no, <laughs> there's no They'll have like uh, movie cars or TV show cars. Yeah, that's cool. Like the DeLorean really cool. from yeah. Back to yeah. the Future. Yes. Or like the um, so the Mutz Cuts van from Dumb and Dumber. What, yeah. I remember that from I a think that those still exist. Yeah. Oh <laughs> they have it at Barry Jackson. <laughs> you know what? My friend's house is in the background in the movie. 
they filmed that when they drove by with the bunny. Oh, yeah? Whatever. Anyway, fun little tip right there. On. <laughs> Craig, like what do you got? Can't believe no one's mentioned Phoenix Magazine's Dish Fest. I guess there's two no levels. Like, plug. what, you know, Cities West Media event are we looking forward to? And what out of company? Event. Um, so yeah, Dish Fest. Dish Fest is always awesome. And I'm not as much of a foodie as y'all, but I love Dish Fest. Just great. It it's Fine. such a great crowd. It's always a great day. It's March 17th this year. It's a Sunday. It's St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's St. Patrick's Day. So um, oh that wear green. That might just add a little <laughs> bit more interest to uh, certain people out maybe, there. Maybe maybe alcoholic abandon. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, we always have a great beer garden. Unlimited yeah. wine and beer there. Yeah, too, always so. a great beer garden there and wine and spirits, uh, all local. Yeah. Do we know any uh, restaurants confirmed yet? Uh, I know we're working uh, on it. But... I don't, I, I'm not the, uh, not my bailiff. Okay. But, yeah. I know we're benefiting <laughs> good Hopefully, I mean, we're, again. What we do is we try to populate that event with restaurants from the January yeah. issue and from our, our previous best new restaurants issue. So hopefully a lot of the restaurant, the restaurants we've been talking to for the last 45 minutes will be there. Sure. Um, we'll see. And then uh, non-company uh, events. I mean, I love Devour, uh, which is you know the uh, grand dame of food events yep. in the valley, and they've been they kind of created the model I think that people love, which is get local chefs, local restaurants, owner-operated places to come out, and uh, they do it over at the uh, Desert Botanical Garden in February. Yeah, I remember so, last year it rained and yeah. it was cold on them. So yeah, last year was fingers a, crossed for better weather for them that, this yeah. year. I mean, I love rain, but yeah, <laughs> just not on that day. <laughs> uh, but they they always do a great job, and then you know we have uh, we have the Phoenix Open coming up. Uh, oh yeah, here and, and the Phoenix Open guide is included with uh, also medical directory in this issue. If you're a subscriber, um, very cool guide. A lot of uh, there's a fun contrast in there between. The origins of the party hole on 16, and then the loneliest hole on 13, where yeah. nobody, no fans seem to go. No party, apparently. Which is, yeah. <laughs> I, like I like that. It's the thinking man's hole. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Maddie, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go, since Craig stole mine, <laughs> I'm going to go with M3F, um, which is uh, every March. It's March 3rd and 4th, first weekend of March this year. Um, Craig and I have been talking about this for a few weeks that we don't recognize a lot of the acts this year. Um, but I think that's just because we're getting old, not, um, anything against M3F. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, I don't I mean, we're know. definitely getting older. That think, is true. We, I think the acts are a little more idiosyncratic mm-hmm. than in previous years. Yeah. There's no shins. There's yeah. no back, you know. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's, uh, they're at a new venue. Too. Yes. So I'm excited to check out what they're doing at Indian, Seal Indian School Park. Um, this year, usually they're at Hans Park. They've been doing that for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, going into 2024 with new acts and a new venue. So, and it's a great, great event. It yeah. always is. And always it's nonprofit. That's my favorite, like, local festival. Yeah. Festival for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I had, uh, Copper State Beer Fest, which is next Saturday. Um, they always have, they seem to luck out on great weather. You know, it's January. Not gonna. Hopefully, it's not gonna rain. It's not gonna be too cold. Not gonna be too hot. Always cloudy. Great day to to drink beer. Um, we've, we've gotten to know those guys over the the last couple of years. They've been doing it. If you're out there um, outdoors for like five hours, it is nice for it to be a little cloudy. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much as we love sun, like, huh? 
doesn't we're not built to last it, it, here. <laughs> I think it uh in cooler weather you you're going to tend to drink that beer a little bit slower and enjoy it whether uh you know rather than it our uh, our beer fest in October which was I think uh maybe about 50 degrees warmer yeah, than it is right now. Yeah, we didn't we didn't lug we out. We didn't lug out this year on that. Um but that we'll get them next February, year. That was a October <laughs> festival October. we did. You know, what about Arizona Strong Beer Festival? Strong Beer in February, uh, February 27th. It's always a good time. I mean, uh, that's, that's Arizona Beer Week. Right. Yeah. And that's thrown by the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. Yep. And they, so they get everybody out. That's there. always the biggest. Um, breweries are, I wouldn't say they're compelled to go, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's very much, uh, you, you're, you're looked at approve, approvingly, I guess, if, uh, if you do go and if you don't, you're kind of, well, I don't know if I have time for, for your type thing, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's at a talking stick resort. Talking stick again. They had it there last year. Uh, biggest beer festival. Wait, I'm sorry. Salt River Field at talking stick. Right, right, right. Not yeah, to be yeah. confused yeah. with the casino at talking stick. Right. That can be confused. Yeah. It's a, right outside the ballpark there. It's not in the ballpark, but it's on the grounds there. Right. And, um, in the grass. That that is the biggest beer fest in Arizona. It's always fun to go to. Have you guys um, been before, ladies? No. And you don't you don't have to like strong beer because they've kind of dialed that back over the years. That's they true. they used to require you to bring something eight percent or above. Okay. A lot of breweries still do that, and they also bring you know the four percenters. <laughs> I mean, or, it's hard to last very long when they're pouring nine ten percent beer. <laughs> yeah. Do they have a strong cider? Oh yeah, there's cider out there. there. Yeah, yeah, there cider. Yeah, a lot of cideries popping up. Uh, cider core, the the one we had beyond the meadery. Um, or I guess they're mead, but there's there's some other cideries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six bird cider is another one. Well, yeah. a lot of the breweries are also starting to make seltzers, right? Yeah, seltzers and and non-alcoholic versions too. Um, it's very hard to to nail that down. There's a lot of extra science and chemistry that goes into mm-hmm. uh, trying to make a beer with without alcohol. Um, some are some are pursuing it though, real, real well. Fate makes one. Arizona House Wilderness, makes one. I hear, makes a really good. Yep, one. Wilderness has been yeah, making one. I did one. not know this. I visited a non-alcoholic uh, distillery in Portland, and yeah, and it was like, of course, it's in Portland. <laughs> are you really distilling anything? I mean, you know, like what's the point? What is? I mean, what's the point of that? I say that not just jokingly, For but non-alcoholic. Like, cocktails I, okay but yeah you know it made more sense with the like the non-alcoholic quote-unquote whiskey which you know it's hard like you say it's hard to uh, synthesize all those flavors and stuff when you're doing a whiskey so that was interesting but then they had a like a non-alcoholic vodka which isn't you know all vodka is alcohol right <laughs> so they while well, they did it just huh. tasted like water that had been infused with a couple of interesting flowers yeah, huh. yeah. interesting <laughs> So the, the consensus was it was the press trip. So the consensus, but you know, yeah, for the maybe for the whiskey, the faux whiskey, it made sense. For the faux vodka, I mean, just like you know, get a rose and squeeze it into the water, you'll be fine. Was that the focus <laughs> of their business, or do they do they do other things? No, they they that was all they did. Was, Interesting. Yeah, what were uh, non-alcoholic beers? Yeah. Uh, for that. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. That brings me to what I wanted to bring up. Finally, uh, we do a great the mood stabilizer segment on a sidebar in the magazine every month. Um, so let's just steal that idea and do it for the podcast. What brings you up? What brings you down? What kind of stabilizes the mood? Since you brought up, we've been talking about beer. I'll go first. What brings me up is that 
over the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, working to confirm that Russian River Brewing Company is going to be distributing in Arizona. Coming up, uh, from what I know, it's at the beginning of 2024, which that hasn't at. been the case previously. Uh, they're they're out of uh, Northern California, and they distribute to just California, a little bit to Colorado, a uh, little bit to Washington State, hmm. and even in like Pennsylvania. Like that's hmm, it. Interesting. But they're one of the best breweries in the world. They win a lot of awards. Pliny the Elder is their. Oh, it's a it's the Pliny, Pliny the Elder brewery. is their oh, is their biggest right, beer. Right. Um, they make a lot of great other great stuff like Mind Circus Hazy IPA. It's a, it's a fantastic brewery um, that gets people from all over the world to go to. Uh, it's in Santa Rosa, California, Santa Rosa. north of uh, north of San Francisco. So I'm very excited for that news because it's been a long time that uh, uh, people have been asking about that uh, for years and years yeah. and years on their Pliny social media. Is sort of the happy the happy of beer. It it's, is. It's, it's, it's a lot scarce. more. It's a it's a lot easier to find now if you go to California. Right. Um, bottle shops carry it pretty because they have now they have a second brewery. Right. Um, it's in Windsor, California, that okay. they opened uh, about two or three years ago. So they probably so, have it on tap here and stuff. I, I would imagine you'll you'll start to see it on tap at places like Kings, Trevor's. Yeah. Um, so look for the well Look for that tappers, on their websites yeah. and on their social media. That's going to be. A pretty big deal when it when they when they finally do show up and I from what I've heard my sources it'll be early 2024. So. Oh, nice. Um, you can do blog on it. I'm yeah yeah. I mean I I drink so many of it it comes up in, in my Untapped as my number one beer. Nice. Mostly because I uh I go to California maybe twice a year and that's all we do is we just pick that up. This sounds like the beer equivalent of what's that um that. Hydroflask that everyone's going crazy yeah, over right Stanley. now. I mean, I don't even understand <laughs> that. It seems like the dumbest, I'm, I'm, I'll just say it, shit I've ever seen. I mean, it's like people are getting excited over a Hydroflask. I mean, what's it the deal? It keeps your beverage cold. The, that's not, but there was And so it survived a fire. There. That's what made it kind of go even more viral. There was a TikTok oh. where this car, uh, this I believe it was oh, a I Kia, it burned. And then people were like, she, the person who did the TikTok, she was like, you guys are all concerned about it. Um, Billing. Well, let's see if it uh, survived this. And she picked it up and shook it. And it still had ice in it. Oh. And so the oh. the owner Whoa. of a Stanley was like, hey, we're only doing this one time. We're going to go ahead and replace your car. And we're going to give you some more Stanleys. Because everybody wanted a Stanley after that. Like, even people in the, the comments. The owner died, but the, the ice is still cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't understand, though. Why is it a big deal now? Is there a... And there's like a heart. Next to the Stanley logo. Oh, like on so this, like a like, limited run. Yeah. Oh, the Valentine's Day ones yes. at Target. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Those are the ones and that are like. Arizona Target went viral for, for a video on that uh, earlier this week. Good. It's for one. <laughs> sort of good? Like, yeah. Consumer frenzy. Like, yeah. yeah. Arizona consumerism. <laughs> yeah, our, our viral videos from uh, from the Phoenix area always come out of a Target for some reason. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's know right. What's going uh, on there. Chewing on Karen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> ripping off all the masks. And, yeah, that's right. Uh, is that is that your it's mood stabilizer, is Craig? Is that is that bringing you down <laughs> these days? That oh no, I, that puts that's right in the middle. <laughs> right, you kind of look at it with amusement, but you know you don't get too. Mine would be, um, I guess the down would be the Gilbert James thing. Like yeah, those, wild, wild story. That yeah, that like uh, you know, bully click and. Gilbert, like, what's up with that? And I mean, and, and a murder came out right, of it. And, well, yeah. that's the thing. It took so long to to hold anybody accountable. I guess 
Yeah, they did some good reporting over the Republic. Got to give them props for that. They're the ones who kind of blew the story open. Unbelievable reporting. Totally, but it, yeah, but the law enforcement had, there was no transparency, making no arrests. Who knows if that means they were actually doing anything. Investigations tend to be, you know, black boxes, but um, it's just like, well, what's going on down there? Yeah. You know, and this whole story clearly has not come out. So that brought me down a little. Yeah, I have a, I have a police friend who uh, says in, in a case like that, it's so big and getting so much media attention. He says that, you know, everything isn't always what it seems like uh, from a police perspective. They want to make sure that they are completely buttoned up on the people that they're going to try to arrest and charge before they do anything so that they, they don't screw it up, essentially, because it is that high profile. And I think that also means that the, the people, you know, that they're looking at the accused or the suspects are very high profile too. So yeah. um, not only the case, but perhaps the suspects as well. So they want to, they want to make sure that they're, they're 100% sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very, very crazy story. What about, uh, what about you, you Angie? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my downer would be um, the father who lost his five children out there in Bullhead city from the fire. Um, I, it was right before Christmas too. And I felt so bad. I wanted to like cry for this person. Um, and they kept posting videos of the house too, like the house on fire. And it was very, really, I don't know, bad taste, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. It was just not cool. After the fact, especially. Right. When the right. Came mm-hmm. out and yeah. The loss involved, the intensity of loss. That, you know. Yeah. That would, that would definitely be my downer. Um, and next week we are uh, supposed to have cooler weather, so that's what I'm excited about. Are you? Yeah. Ah man, I, I don't know. I don't like already. the cold weather. <laughs> this. I feel like we're in Alaska. I <laughs> think you use your like weather woman voice too. You're like, and next week we're <laughs> having cooler weather. I want the green screen of forecast behind yes. you. I just love to be cold. <laughs> I want to be like in a hoodie and a sweat with a blanket all day, and I like it. that's I feel that. that's my thing. Like, mm-hmm. and then just watch cozy. movies. Yep, cozy and stuff. So that's my up. All right. The cold weather stabilizes Angelina. How about uh, Morel? <laughs> What's oh, she into? Uh, so I'll start with my down note. And that is all the stray cats that have been coming to my backyard of late. I don't know where they're coming from. We've always had stray cats in the neighborhood, but they have their ears clipped. That way we know they stay in winter. But these ones, they came out of nowhere. And um, so that's bothering me. I believe in staying new to your pet. Like there's a big pet population problem as Bob Parker told us all those many years mm-hmm. on the Price is Right. Um, but uh, my friend over at Cat Cat Advocates, I think is how she says it, Missy Pruitt, is helping me with some traps. And I'm going to start trapping and staying, neutering and releasing them back into the wild. Maybe I'll be able to find homes for some of them. That would be an upside if I did. But for the time being, it's the stray cat. Spay and neuter your pets, people. Thank you very much. But on an upside, I am looking forward to the Mattel Adventure Park opening up sometime in 2024. That is where they're going to have two roller coasters. I think they're partially indoors so they can keep them open year-round. And a Barbie house. And a bunch of other things by Mattel. I don't even know. But I'm mostly Field excited trip. about those. Field trip! There we go. <laughs> Bring on the press trip again. I'm going to get a season pass or something. Or a year pass since we'll be open. I, I, I remember, you know, seeing the big, um, you know, there's, there seemed to be headlines on that place every week, uh, when the Barbie movie was out and big last summer. I think they missed their, 
opportunity there, you know, unless there's a sequel to Barbie coming out. Right. But it seems like, man, you guys should have built this year or two ahead of time. And mm-hmm. It has well, legs, though. Yeah. They were supposed okay. to have it ready Barbie for the Super legs. Bowl, right? <laughs> Weren't they supposed to have it ready oh, for yeah. the Super Bowl? Yeah. Supposed to be ready. I don't even know if that's... Is that it's not, yeah. No, I don't think so. Supposedly late. Are there roller coasters? the same resort they're it's, next door to each other i don't know if it's the same property i'm not that's unclear to me but they're basically the same yeah it's all that area yeah. right there by the stadium yeah. uh mm-hmm. cardinal stadium um man so much construction going on out there it's a yeah. they're building up what about maddie um i am going to go with and also plug the blog Desert Digest. Every month we um, do a kind of state of affairs of restaurants in the valley, ones that have opened and closed um, in the previous month. Um, so uh, last month we lost a lot of good ones. Um, Teddy's Preserve, mm-hmm. RIP, um, Pickering um, right. But um, the good news is they usually have a lot more that open. Yeah. Closed, so um, be sure to check that out this week. Check which that, one out? Uh, openings and closings on the blog. Oh yeah, it's a good. That's yeah. coming out this week. I like hey, it. I have to add, you know, you were depressed by Stray Cats, right? <laughs> yeah. It brought you down. Yes. I just looked online. Former Stray Cats lead singer Brian Seltzer is playing in Phoenix on February 28th. Maybe the Stray Cats could bring you up and bring you down. <laughs> In true mood stabilizer fashion. Is that one of those things? I would love to see him live. Are the straight cats rising up because of Brian Seltzer coming? That could be it. Maybe there's he has a Spider-Man power. (laughs) Yeah, straight cats. Right. He's playing at the Celebrity Theater in the round. Oh, I love that. One of my favorite venues. On the February 28th. Who knew? I'm gonna have to look into that. I had I had had a sense. I'm like, it's gotta be a straight cats thread I could play with here on this. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe you could bring him some of your straight cats there. And... <laughs> I'll, I mean, it would be great him, if I... he could do something about them. Like, take them with him on tour. They could be roadies. They got to be good for something. You know? Sure, sure. <laughs> I, you know, it, we, we had, recently we had uh, Voodoo Donuts, popular import from Portland, open up in Tempe. You guys have any insight on um, anything big coming in down the line in 2024 that might be, that might people might be excited for like big national yeah chains type thing yeah or brands uh i don't know giada oh de laurentis yeah de laurentis yes. yeah right. from the right. food channel yes she's uh opening a restaurant or a restaurant at caesar's palace hotel in old town near yes. well near fashion square right right yeah yeah, yeah that's happening sometime you know, they always give you a estimated date of arrival for these big hotel projects, mm-hmm. and it's always like a year after. Oh that. yeah, for sure. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right, she's yeah. coming. Yeah, and probably... even the smallest of places will think they're opening and say in March, and they just push back to September. Even I mean, even like Petal House Brewery was supposed to open a Mesa location like three years ago, and they're still kind of working out. Uh, they there's nothing on that lot, you know, right across from. Um, uh, there's a PXG golf store there. Right. It's supposed to be right next door, and there's there's just nothing there yet. Right. Yeah, Cornish Pasty is supposed to be opening in downtown Glendale, which I'm also excited Ooh. about. But I asked the owner, Dean Thomas, like, okay, what's the DC? And he goes, well, you know, maybe April. Yeah. Like, but, he know, just opened one in Jerome. He opened one in Jerome. 
like last oh. month. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He also he, we interviewed him in the the cover story. Yeah. Circle it back. You know, he he's our British cuisine guy because sure. Cornish pasty, and you know, it's probably the most appetizing British cuisine <laughs> there is, right? Which isn't saying a whole lot. But um, he said he also opened a Mexican restaurant in his hometown in Cornwall, back in England, and. I was like, well, that's interesting. What you know, where the challenges of opening a Mexican restaurant in England? You know, can you find source all the things you need? So yeah, you can find the chilies. The only thing he couldn't get out there was cotija cheese. Yeah. So he makes his own cotija cheese. In in England, yeah, it's like milk, and then you add a little bit of citrus, fertile it artfully, and then you you turn it into cotija. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was neat. Maddie, did you give us your bummer yet? Oh, that's not oh yeah. Mine was like a mine was like a um happy and sad at the same time. Oh, okay. it. That was a yin and yang. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know you didn't even catch it the first time. It's so that's, subtle. That's what, we, that's what we do at Phoenix Mag. We're just efficient that way, right? Um. All right. So great, great interview, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Great issue. Uh, make sure to check it out on newsstands now. The January February issue. Dine around the world without leaving the valley. 99 different uh, nations. Congrats on the issue, guys. Oh, should we talk about the spine? Love that. Sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? The spine. You might notice it's a little different each month. Um, Every month, we are going to add a little bit more of a bigger illustration that will reveal itself for two years of Phoenix Magazine. So that's 12 issues when they come out. That's just the regular issue, not our special issue. So when you stack them up, You'll see a full visual narrative. You got a piece of a puzzle right here. I like it, can and I can see. I can see a little like a like a cactus, a uh, couple cacti. Surprise, surprise! There is a cactus <laughs> in our illustration of Phoenix. <laughs> Not to blow the surprise, but yeah, there's other there's other stuff in there too. But yes, great, great. I like that. So make sure to collect uh, issues over the next two years. So this is the first piece That's here. Doesn't go back 12. to last year. Yep. All right, I like it. I like it. Well, thanks, guys. Thank uh, appreciate Thank you, you making time, coming in, and make sure to check out the new issue on newsstands now. Stay new to your pet. You. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much to the Phoenix Magazine team, minus Leah. Leah, we miss you. Um, come in for the next episode, and we will uh, see you out at Dish Fest March 17th, Clayton House in Scottsdale. Dish Fest, it's our third year doing it. We're going to feature. Tons of different restaurants. It's a food festival. It's a beer festival. It's wine. It's spirits. It's a whole lot of fun. Third year in a row, uh, we've we've been doing it in March to celebrate what we do on the January issue of talking about restaurants, dining, new experiences. We're going to feature new breweries, new restaurants, uh, some of your old favorites. So make sure to check out Dish Fest on our website, phoenixmag.com. You can get tickets there. Tickets also on tickets.phoenixmag.com. Check out the DishFest uh, social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram while you're at it. And make sure to follow us for all the updates there on Instagram and Facebook. And we will see you to eat. Eat plenty and drink on March 17th for DishFest. <laughs>